What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shift Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, your other host, the talented Mr. E, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my pal, my friend, how are you this fine, fine Tuesday evening? Doing very well. Thank you. Really excited to get into the show. You know, we had a little blast of winter weather, but things are starting to look improving. Uh, we should be in the 60s Fahrenheit and uh, uh, coming up, I think, starting tomorrow. So really excited for that uh, spring weather to come in. Well, it sounds like spring season where you are and Lewis, I can tell you that it's also become trade season in the NHL. And I, f- I feel like, you know, the people, they want to know they're tuning into a Tuesday episode of Short Shifts because they want to know about the big trades in the NHL and whether Josh Manson or Nico Sturm or uh, the other player who was traded, whose name Tyson is Tyson Yost, Tyson Yost <laughs> traded to Minnesota. Are any of these players now fantasy relevant, you know, off the waiver wire and into our roster? Is that what we're thinking with any of these players? All right. Well, we'll we'll move through these pretty quickly, I think. Uh, Josh Manson in Colorado is going to be buried behind the enormous embarrassment of riches that Colorado has along that blue line. Uh, I don't think he was fantasy relevant before. Certainly not fantasy relevant now. Uh, as far as the Yost and Sturm trade, you know, it makes sense, I think, for both teams. Uh Yost was stuck in the bottom six kind of as a grinder and a penalty killer. Sturm can do the same thing, but for a lower cap hit. Uh, maybe an opportunity for Yost to get some middle six time as opposed to some bottom six time, but uh, I'd have to imagine he's going to start on the third line at best. So uh, no, I don't think there's a, a ton of relevance here, but at least you know we've got a couple dominoes falling here early. Uh, we might you know lead us to some more interesting moves later on in the week. Yeah, I may have unfortunately um, tipped my hand that I'm I'm also disinterested in these players based on the situation. Lewis, I know though that there is another defenseman who is supposedly on the trade block that you uh, you've had maybe is a bit more fantasy relevant. People might have questions about. Sure. Well, definitely someone who appears to be you know at least uh, they're trying to avoid a repeat of the Chikrin situation. Obviously, he was. Uh, injured for two to four weeks uh, when many people expected that he would be traded shortly. Uh, the Habs are holding Ben Sherratt out of the lineup ahead of the trade deadline. So uh, it certainly seems like there is some interest and a move may be imminent. Um, he's actually been on a nice hot streak lately, considering that he only gets secondary deployment. He's got nine points in his last nine games, including a two goal, one assist outing. Uh, and he's playing big minutes, uh, at least 23 minutes a night over that span of nine games, putting up decent hit and block numbers. Uh, you know, the scoring obviously has a bonus for anyone holding on to him for peripherals. Uh, you know, uh, it's tough to lose him for injury precaution, I suppose. But, you know, he's certainly unlikely to have his ceiling raised by a move to a contender. So I would say don't spend a bunch of time waiting around. You know, tonight's a busy night, so hopefully you were able to fill that slot on the roster if you have Ben Sherratt. But I wouldn't be opposed at all, the 18% of Yahoo GMs who have him. I think it might be best just to thank him for his service and let him go until his future is clear. But, uh, you know, best case scenario, I think he's back into a secondary situation and, you know, maybe not even getting those kind of minutes that he was getting for Montreal. So uh, as exciting as his nice little run has been, I imagine that being held out and then potentially being traded, I think that probably, you know, gums up the works a little bit for this hot streak that he's been on. You know, could be a useful perfs guy, but uh, 
yeah, you know, the, the, there's always excitement when players are traded and, and they see little bumps in their, uh, ownership, but I don't think that's a guy that you especially need to get excited for, despite the fact that he was on a nice little run. Yeah, Ben Chirot, a guy who I've rostered in some very deep leagues, but otherwise I think is pretty unexciting um, and probably, yeah, going to wind up in that that bottom four, bottom bottom pair role on a better team than Montreal. Uh, Lewis, we have a potential outjury coming up. I guess it's not quite ready to return, but Drake Batherson told the media today he expects to be back in the Sens lineup by March 26th, late next week. Batherson has 34 points through 31 games this season and is just 60% rostered, which now that he has announced he's expecting to return to the lineup, you know, within a week, that number should climb quickly. Uh, In Batherson's place, Connor Brown has been hanging out on the top line with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris and has been pretty hot in the last four games, four points. Uh, Sens have a good rest of week schedule, so I, I don't mind holding on to Connor Brown for a little bit longer or adding him off the waiver wire if you're looking for a plug-and-play waiver wire option on the wing. Uh, but I think the, the big news here is definitely the, the soon-to-be-returned, hopefully, fingers crossed, Drake Batherson. Yeah, Josh Norris has been really nice since getting back from his injury, and to add Batherson back on with his 90-point pace I think would be really exciting for anybody uh, holding players on the top line or top power play in Ottawa. Um, you know, they've certainly shown some of that late-season scoring acumen that we see sometimes with these, you know, uh, teams like Ottawa and like Arizona, who of course were our teams that played uh, during yesterday's only game of the night. So yeah, I think it's just interesting to uh, to, to see these opportunities out there. Very exciting, definitely, for those play- folks who lost Batherson uh, to be able to get him back. If you had managers who got impatient and uh, let him go, if you have the op- you know extra moves, if you have the open IR slot, could be a total steal for you to grab Batherson right now and uh, pop him into your injured reserve or, you know, if you're certain of your playoff spot, even if you don't have available injured space, just keep him in your lineup because, uh, you know, he was just playing outstanding before this big injury and uh, could be a difference maker for you heading into the fantasy playoffs. All right, Lewis, why don't you take us over to Vancouver where we have a injury to chat about? Sure. So uh, we have not seen much of Elias Pettersson lately. Um, he's been day to day for a while. Uh, Boudreaux says it's not a long term thing, but he is going to be, uh, out at least, uh, for tonight's game, it seems. So in Patterson's absence, we've seen a top six of Pearson, Miller, Garland, and Hoaglander, Horvat, Basser. Uh, so, you know, luckily, you know, I think there's enough depth in, in, uh, Vancouver to make up for Patterson's absence. And he's, you know, run, uh, hot and cold certainly, uh, has been better of late, uh, for his owners. But, um, yeah, I don't think it makes a whole, you know, those are players who generally should be widely owned. I guess it's a nice opportunity for Hoaglander next to Horvat and Besser, but, uh, not kind of a seismic, uh, change for anybody up in the Canucks lineup. Uh, but one change of significance, not at even strength, but on the power play, is that Oliver ekman Larson has grabbed a slot there. So uh, that could be, you know, a potentially interesting grab. But again, you know, uh, he's day-to-day. He's been day-to-day for a little bit. So uh, it's tough to say. His return could be imminent, and that uh, OEL slot could be gone by the time the Vancouver plays their next game. So, you know, just keep your eye on at game day lines, and uh, hopefully that will help us figure out uh, – 
you know, who's going to be on that top power play moving forward. Uh, one other interesting player who has returned to the lineup and has gotten a nice deployment. Ben, tell us a little bit about our guy, Joe Thornton in Florida. Our guy, Joe Thornton. Eh? I don't know if I'm ready to to get that intense uh, with my love for Jumbo Joe. I feel like, uh, unfortunately, times have changed a little bit, but hey, uh, it is nice to see Joe Thornton back in the lineup in Florida. Uh, good to, you know, hey, maybe he'll score four goals and we'll we'll get a show after the game. But uh, interesting to see him pop right up onto the top line now that he's back from injury, playing with Sasha Barkov and Carter Verhage. That means Anthony Duclair is down to line three, while Huberto and Bennett are joined by Sam Reinhardt on the second line. Duclair playing with A2 Listerinen and Mason Marchment. Definitely a bit of a bummer here for Duclair rosterers who uh, have been holding him because he's top line, top power play. I know he's been fairly hot lately, so uh, probably not an insta drop. And maybe it is just more of a benefit for Marchment, but it's uh, it's definitely not as good as seeing him up playing with, with Barkov uh, at even strength and on the power play everywhere. Uh, as for Thornton, I struggle to see getting too excited about rostering him, but I guess he makes for a pretty interesting stream uh, anytime you could grab a Panthers game on an off night or something, just because, I mean, if you're getting somebody with top-line exposure to Barkov any night of the week, you are probably have a better chance than not to grab a point. Yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of shuffling with these lines. I, I Unless we see some real fireworks, I sort of... Don't see this necessarily staying for very long. I could see it being a, a, a two game, you know, audition. And if things don't really turn out as terms of production there, uh, we could see it disappear. So I wouldn't get too attached to this idea. It's interesting while it's there. Uh, we'll see how, how the results turn out in the near future. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be rushing out to grab him necessarily. Um, until, you know, we see for sure that he's going to be there for the next game, since obviously, uh, this is not going to be something that can help you on Tuesday. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely not rushing out, but keep, keep those eyes on game day line tweets and, and see if you can't find a, uh, a, you know, just, I, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely an opportunistic situation. If it, if it happens to work out, there are worse bets off the waiver wire. Uh, Lewis, we have one more headline we wanted to talk about, and uh, that's over in Toronto. What can you tell us about the the ever uh, enjoyable goaltending situation for the Toronto Maple Leafs? So the good news out of the Toronto goal crease is coming to us via one Eric Schalgren. Schalgren with a K, like our guy Shillington. Thank you to our uh, patient patrons who explained that pronunciation for us. Appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, is in the late stages here of putting together what looks to be uh, a quality start for the Toronto Maple Leafs in goal. They currently lead Dallas four to nothing with about a minute remaining to play. Uh, so, you know, I, I imagine we are going to see a bit of a rush to go and, uh, grab this guy if he's not already taken, if somebody didn't already take the plunge. Um, you know, just a pretty impressive showing against a team with some real offensive metal in Dallas. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> just the confidence I think that, that Toronto can take from not feeling like they constantly need to be moving back to, uh, protect their goalie, uh, because, you know, they're going to be sliding across the ice and embarrassing replays when goals get scored on them. Uh, I imagine he will take on the next start as well. 
Um, and, you know, he has the potential to seize the majority of the starts from Peter Mrazek, who has just had a very uh, rough outing uh, in his attempt to sort of fill in for Jack Campbell to spell him first and then to cover for him while he's injured for the next two weeks or so. Yeah, it's an interesting opportunity. I, I think if you were somebody who gave Mrazek a shot because Campbell was injured, uh, you could do a lot worse than uh, Ennis Schulgren, as we call him on the show. That's right. Our good boy. Our good boy, Ennis. Um, but yeah, just really exciting, I think. for uh, I'm very happy for our Toronto listeners who are uh, getting to see something. And that game has just gone final. So congratulations, Eric Schalgren, for getting a shutout over Dallas in your first NHL start. How cool. All right, Lewis, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a couple of uh, Stanley Cup winning captains on our streak section, as well as a player I've referred to as Diet Brady Kachuk earlier this year. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are barreling into the streak section of our show. And I wanted to talk about Johnny Taves over in Chicago, a player who... I drafted in a lot of places. I've regretted drafting in every single place where I grabbed him. And he is finally starting to turn it on a little bit with five points over his last five games played after returning from a concussion that kept him out of the lineup for several weeks. Um, Funnily enough, this uh, turnaround for Taves comes after being shifted off the top power play and decidedly into the middle six. I, I suppose that part isn't as big of a change for Taves over the past couple years. But certainly he's always been somebody who's been on Chicago's top power play unit. He's been supplanted, though, by Dylan Strome and Brandon Hagel, who I'm mentioning mentioning because we are contractually obligated to do so. Uh, So this isn't the Taves deployment of old. And despite this hot streak, he's on pace for just 42 points this season. He's also scored three goals over this stretch on just six shots. So not somebody who I think anybody, like if you're looking even on the surface level of of shooting percentage, just not really pulling it together uh, in a way that makes me have hope for him longer term. Certainly, it's good to see a bit of a turnaround for Taves, but overall, I remain skeptical that this is something we can expect to continue. Yeah, I'm there with you as well. You know, uh, we used to think of him as as a very, you know, uh, predictable 65 to 70 point guy, and I think those days have passed him by. Uh, so yeah, you know, I think until he, until he takes back that prime deployment that he has enjoyed at times in the past, yeah, I think I would be, uh, fairly leery of, of Taves moving forward, despite his nice little hot run here. All right, Lewis, why don't you tell us about our next hot streak tonight? All right. The next guy up on our discussion is they call him Lawson Krause, but I call him Awesome Krause. Despite a demotion to the fourth line to try to keep the, uh, tank tanking on, uh, Krause came through again on Tuesday with another goal. And I believe he may have managed an assist as well. Uh, just, you know, four goals on his last six shots as of the time I recorded this information to, to record. And, you know, we saw, uh, another six goals so far from Arizona. They are just really pouring it on lately. Again, Montreal caveats apply. Uh, Sam Montembeau is nothing to write home about uh, here on Tuesday evening. But, you know, I think uh, a very interesting situation. I don't love that 
demotion that he got, uh, I would definitely check out, maybe use frozen tools to sort of see what the line combinations that were used by uh, Arizona uh, here on Tuesday before I get too excited and run out to grab him. Obviously, Keller and Schmaltz are uh, the most interesting folks to run out and grab. Uh, if you know, probably grabbed already, and certainly we've been talking about them for the better part of a week here. We actually talked about Schmaltz very early in his hot run, I think two weeks ago. Uh, and so obviously anybody who ran out and grabbed him, I'm kicking myself. I wish I had done the same. If I had followed my own advice, I'd be a happy camper right now. But um, yeah, just uh, really cool to see Lawson Krauss go out there. He had 60% of a Lemieux trick uh, because I think it was an 88 or 89. Uh, Mario Lemieux scored on the power play uh, at even strength and shorthanded, which is the feat that... Uh, Kraus achieved, um, but he also got one on a penalty shot and he got one in the empty net as well. But I think uh, for for a guy named Lawson Kraus, who I'm sure was on no rosters to start the season, uh, 60% of Mario Lemieux, I think, is, is you know, the kind of thing that, that anyone should aspire to. I mean, the one thing about Arizona that we talk, you can talk a lot of crap, but Lassen Kraus being on t- the fourth line is to me very different from being on the fourth line on most other teams. Cause like on this line, he's playing with Christian Fisher, who is, a, a, you know, a, a mid six guy. I think you could say not somebody you're going to go, you're grabbing the, their wingmates because they're playing with Christian Fisher, but certainly an NHLer. And then on the other side, you've got Matthias Michelli, a player that I am, whose name I am just saying now for the first time and probably butchering. So yeah, not exciting, but I mean, I wouldn't look at any of the other lines, including the one where Phil Kessel is playing and say that that's a clearly a better line. And in fact, the Lawson Krauss line was the second highest ice time uh, among the the three or the four lines for uh, Arizona on Monday. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're underselling him a little bit by describing him as a fourth liner. I'd say that he has clearly become a guy who's going to get a fair amount of ice time from the middle six, and he hits like a mofo, Lewis. So I like Lawson Krauss just fine. Uh, and uh, yeah, somebody who I, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider him a, a fourth liner. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, certainly with the amount of blending that we see and then, you know, uh, we can we can talk about <laughs> where the lines sort of fall in their pecking order. But, you know, it's it's the productive line right now. The second most productive line after the uh, Keller and um, uh, Keller and Schmaltz line. So, yeah, I think it's legit to call him a second liner and not worry so much maybe about who he's being deployed with. So, yeah, very nice. Good on you, Lawson Krauss. All right, Ben, we've got one more, as you said, Stanley Cup winning uh, center to talk about here. Uh, let's head over to L.A., which we've talked about quite a lot recently, and we've got one more uh, cold streak up in the top line. We sure do, Lewis. And uh, this is a player who I think I think every year starts the season quite hot the, over the past few years. But this year was was on another level through the first, you know, five, ten games of the season. That's Anze Kopitar, of course, uh, who is now pointless in his last five and down to a, what I would say, a still nice 69-point pace on the year. Uh, but if you look back over his last 41 games, Kopitar has only paced for 60 points over that stretch after starting the season with 21 points through his first 20 games played. Uh, so we've talked about a few kings that have gone cold the past few weeks. It does feel like the whole team is struggling right now. Uh, but one thing that is really solid to see with Kopitar, and actually, in fairness, there are a few things. 
you know, as he gets older, we we see a lot of players. We talked about Nick Backstrom recently as one of them uh, who start to see downticks in ice time. And Jonathan Taves is a player who, again, like into his mid 30s at this point, also seeing that downtick. Ante Kopitar, 34 years old, still playing 21 minutes a night, 61 games through the season. So absolutely still being leaned on as a bit of a workhorse in L.A. Not only that. Kopitar's shots per game are the best he's put up in the last 11 years, which is just absolutely amazing to see. They've stayed high the past few months. It's the only issue for Kopitar is that his personal shooting percentage has tanked. So I would say better days ahead for Kopitar, obviously better than the zero and five that he's currently riding. But I think just in general, like this is a guy who we should at least be expecting 70 points or so and I feel like Brian brought this up a few weeks ago on the mega show as well when Kopitar was having a bit more of a a mini struggle Uh, I think that 70 points or so for Kopitar seems reasonable Um, might be worth grabbing if you're in a shallower league and he's at the waiver wire because I do think that he could be useful through the playoff run if you are a playoff bound team that was kicking yourself for not having traded Kopitar at your trade deadline, thinking that maybe the the streak was here to stick. Maybe that could give you a little bit of solace as well. Uh, but yeah, Ante Kopitar, I, I, I see better days ahead. Yeah, I think that's great. It's, you know, he, he is, you know, such a great fantasy player and you want to see these careers go on where they're relevant for as long as possible. I love your note about his shooting. Uh, we were joking, you know, talking about some of the kind of players that Elon likes. And I joked that, uh, shots are Elon's love language. And I really think that, uh, yeah, if you keep, if you keep shooting and if he keeps shooting and these shot rates continue the way they are and he keeps getting leaned on for these heavy minutes, uh, we're going to see, uh, this cold streak come to an end just by regressing to the mean a little bit for our guy, uh, Andre Kopitar. All right, Lewis, that is all the time that we have for tonight's episode. For myself, Ben Burnett, thank you all so much for listening. And Lewis, thanks so much for hanging out with me, buddy. Always a pleasure. Love to do it. Thanks so much for having us, everybody who is inviting us into their earbuds. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, please give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. You can follow Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Betton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Great episode this week. If you haven't listened yet, please make sure you download that. This is you know a week with very busy on days, so that streaming becomes so important. I uh, definitely recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. Uh, visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Thank you.